Welcome everybody back to the Domcast, episode 18. This is take two. Yes, I, I finally did it, bro. I caught the podcaster L. I sat here and talked for an hour, a complete hour and two minutes. And came back, realized, hey, there's no audio. Then it's crazy because in Streamlabs, my mic levels were fine. It said it was a recording and then I played it and there was nothing. Apparently it was because I unchecked the sounds box. <laughs> whatever man we are off to a great start to this week if you're starting your week with this podcast be sure to rate it on spotify it's very easy the button is right there you just press it give it five stars don't rate it at all apple podcast however you're rating uh, the one to two of you that listen to it there a week much appreciated and on youtube like button always helps i know ain't nobody gonna share it so ain't even gonna ask about that however Man, the I don't know why I use however there. It, it just doesn't make any sense with uh, a transition to actual NBA topics. Yeah, I'm you know, it's, it's good because I'm, I'm a little bit more awake now. I woke up and started it. This might be out a little bit late on Spotify, but it is what it is. The NBA landscape is changing right before our eyes in the last what 10 or 12 games that people have that teams still have. There are some teams that have snuck up on other teams in the conference the real real sneak attacks like batman type shit spider-man no 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 no, no. elden ring really you know you can sneak behind and, and what is it r1 to do those major stabs or whatever you get the point it's happening in these standings specifically in the plans in both conferences swaps normally take a while they catch you off guard because they take a while a team will sit behind another team being two games behind them one games behind them and it'll just last like that forever until it doesn't switch until one day it does and that has been what's happened and it's particularly interesting with the teams that it's happening with so that will be a topic that we talk about today but i don't want to start with that because that flirts with the mvp topic which we kind of talk about every week just it, this has been one of those that requires every week attention in my opinion so we'll get to it uh, I, I would rather start with some of the basketball that I either watched this week or recapped and found interesting or funny. And there are a couple of those. So we can start with Luka vs. KD. Why not? Two of the headliners. That is a game that we did a watch party for on Twitch. Shout out to Twitch. Big round of applause for Twitch for screwing me when I first turned the stream on and, and just completely lagging me out for no reason. Um, came back. They did not send notifications to anybody. So uh, I don't I don't even know how many of us were watching it together. But we did regardless. I do that sometimes because I really enjoy watching games and breaking them down on stream. It helps me pay attention too. And uh, specifically with Kevin Durant, it's it, well, that's always fun. Uh, however, these Nets games, they haven't featured Kyrie Irving. They haven't featured Seth Curry. And so it's been a lot of KD. It's been Kevin Durant is the ball handler and whatever else you can you can scrunch up. Draymond, I almost said Draymond Green rebounds. No, Andre Drummond rebounds and or just finding deep position in the paint because he is still a big body. So he's he's been a solid pickup for the nets which is going to tie into something i'll talk about later with ben simmons um it's been that it's been well-timed bruce brown cuts and maybe goran Dragic saving you while there's while katie's off the floor that's literally just this game because that did not happen in the next game so i also did a watch party for the next game and it was interesting that they were at least trying to show KD some different coverages. The Knicks are not a really good defensive team, so that you know, take that for what it's worth. However, they were throwing some doubles at him. They were blitzing, just trying to do some things to make him make some different decisions. Now, that's one of the reasons I really wanted to watch this Mavericks game. It's because, all right, well, the Mavericks are a top five, top six, whatever it is right now, defensive team. They kind of make their money there uh, and they still make their money there although they've added some more offensive weapons how do they defend kevin durant and jason kidd went with the oh we're doing the 2k automatic double team every time he catches the ball defensive coverage if you're not familiar with that because you probably haven't been ever in my sim streams 2k has this thing where they do terrible doubles uh as soon as a guy catches the ball it might be a kevin durant or lebron whoever's on fire oh gosh excuse me snorting in the mic man this is just a great start to the week we're on fire on fucking monday bro this is gonna be a crazy week i can already tell this is gonna be terrible uh <laughs> kevin yeah in 2k they will just send a double team to a guy with the ball and they won't do any type of rotation most teams anyways won't do any type of rotation behind that which will leave guys with open layups not exactly what was happening with dallas however they did go with the oh he's caught the ball cool two people they did that i'm gonna say 
90 plus 95 plus percent of Kevin Durant possessions where he touched it, which is probably every possession. So that became interesting because, well, I it, the thing is, KD's a good playmaker as well. That might be a bit underrated. You don't see it a lot because especially throughout his career, he's played with uh, and recently he's played with great teammates. So he doesn't have to always bring this part out. A lot of times he can ISO or just go get his buckets. But in these last games, even with the Knicks, where he scored 50 and he had to distribute as well, pretty sure he had around 10 assists in that game. He put up 10 assists in this one. And I was wondering if Kid would change the coverage, but it was kind of too late. He got to the fourth quarter, and what happens is, all right, KD was kind of, for Kevin Durant, he was pretty much struggling. He was like 5 of 14, something like that. And the coverage is working, but the Nets were still leading, and KD was distributing. He was hitting open guys. And Brooklyn is leading. I'm thinking, well, if you're the Mavericks now, what do you do? Do you go to the option where you start single coverage in KD so he can't just flat out, uh, so he can't throw dots or he can't throw it to somebody who then throws it to somebody and scores? Do you change it now and then watch him just shoot over your defenders? Because that will happen. You start giving him any open looks, he's going to hit those from the mid. I was wondering if they would pick up if they would do that it helped kevin durant after the game was wondering if they <laughs> wondering why they didn't he said that he told jason kidd y'all paid dorian finney smith all this money to be a defender right your single coverage me didn't work um and that led to the last possession in the game where i was kind of certain with well, the last nets possession of the game where i was pretty certain that kevin durant would not be the one taking the last shot because for the mavericks and your game plan has been just hard doubles all game I was looking and going, that's what's going to happen in the last possession. Anybody on the floor can take this shot. It could be Dragic. It could be, I don't remember the exact lineup on the floor at that time, but whoever else is on the floor, Bruce Brown, you will be comfortable with them taking an open shot rather than a KD contested one. And they did try. They did try. They did send, uh, I believe it was a pick there, and they did try to send two to him. They got a really good contest. If I'm not mistaken, it was Dinwiddie that got a contest. The, the Just... Think about the scheme, ignore the names. I don't have the tape in front of me right now, although I should. Either way, KD hit an impossible shot. And what happens when Kevin Durant hits impossible shots, specifically in Brooklyn, and has these really wild moments? What happens? It immediately gets undone. That's what happened in the Milwaukee series last year. It, it was like clockwork. Now, it was fascinating because I was thinking, well, Luka's got it going tonight, too. The, the Nets are probably going to employ a very similar strategy here. Nobody gets to... Sorry, anybody gets to take this shot other than Luka. That is what they went with, and they got him to pass the ball. They went ahead and trapped it. Uh, it looked like he wanted to probably get to his step back out on the perimeter. They're down by one or two points. You live with anybody on the court taking a shot other than Luka. Especially because he got it going slowly throughout that game, but it, it just really started to ramp up. He was getting to his fadeaways. There was a point in that game where there was a little one-on-one -on -one match going between he and Goran Dragic. And by the way, I, before I go any further on that play, Dragic does got to get some credit here. I'm assuming still you get to the playoffs. That's one of the guys they will try to attack or exploit if he's on the floor for playoff minutes. However, he is. I've watched him hold his own a couple of times, and that's defense has been solid over the last few weeks. And I specifically watched him hold his own against Julius Randle, which I probably mentioned on the podcast with Vini last week. I watched him make him fumble the ball or get him to to pick up his dribble. Just crazy. I mean, it's also Julius. It's also 2022 Julius Randle, so that's just kind of happening. He got switched on to Luca a couple of times, and even if Luca made the shot, they were they were good contests. They were solid contests. He was fighting, and that's that's. Good for the future because I since there's lineups that they like to run smaller lineups Dragic, Mills, Kyrie, Dragic, Mills, uh, Seth. It's it's strange, but it's it's a thing. And I've definitely seen some three guard lineups. And so if you can take away who you might want to attack, that's kind of cool. Anyways, I, I had to give him props on that side and also on the offensive end because he did more or less keep Brooklyn in that game. Sorry, gave them the lead. He gave them the space they needed while Kevin Durant wasn't on the floor. He had a, a nice little run all to his lonesome. So had to get Dragic's clout here. However, he kind of got a, a raw deal at the very end of this one because Luka not allowed to take this last shot. That left Dinwiddie open on the wing. And I'm going to assume it was Dorian Finney-Smith in the corner. 
your options are uh sorry yeah it's literally splitting the difference at that point Dragic kind of splitting the difference sees the pass going to Dinwiddie that's all there's time for in real time it looked contested it looked like a contested shot it, it, after they showed so many different angles it was pretty clear Dinwiddie that, that was an open shot for him uh, Dragic was on his side trying not to get into his landing space it was pretty clear the shooter like Dinwiddie is gonna hit that so that's all she wrote it was just the, the the chess match of that game defensively was was just so interesting to me especially the last plays where you go there's two people on the court who you don't want taking the shots and the Dallas Dallas wasn't successful on their end the Nets were successful on their plan um it just resulted in them losing so uh, great game very funny to see when Kevin Durant is on the floor on his lonesome that is basically you do what you wish you could do in other circumstances double this man don't even give him time to make decisions i think that was the key difference new york knicks they were kind of slowly doing it or kd had some time to think dallas was was going so hard at it the only decision kd had was to give up the ball to the next available player they wanted to eliminate his his creation abilities as much as humanly possible it's just unfortunate that you can't really do that if you have Seth there, or you have Kyrie. Even just having Seth makes a difference because um, you know, having him floating around the floor, uh, your defense isn't rotation, that makes that significantly more difficult. However, that is interesting just for the, the fact that we are less than a month away. Kyrie has still not been cleared. I'm waiting on Kyrie to get the okay for home games, but it has not happened. The playoffs are knocking on the door. So you start to wonder... All right, well, no team, especially no top team. I don't think they're just going to be losing games to, to Kevin Durant by himself, uh, which it could happen. That has that. We've seen that happen before. But I'm wondering how much teams replicate what Dallas did in this regular season game. If there's the first two games, first two home games, there's no Kyrie and how they manage that with Seth on the floor. Or if there's different lineups that Nash is going to be running out that heavily discourages that. But then those type of lineups in my mind are also going to weaken them significantly defensively. Also in this game, was it this one that Patty Mills was hitting absolutely nothing? I believe it was. That's also pretty uncharacteristic. So that's interesting things uh, since the Nets are just, just have this weird team that they're trotting out. These weird, If one person gets injured, the lineup's just, they're already weird. But if one person gets injured, it's even weirder. So uh, fascinated by that. A little bit of news on Brooklyn's front as well. They did say that Ben Simmons currently can't do anything on a basketball court. Uh, actually the even later one that i heard oh gosh i just had this on and i probably i gotta start pressing like some more tweets man because now it's gone yeah something about a herniated disc for ben simmons Ooh, you know where i heard that before i heard that with uh dwight howard way back in the day before he completely fell off i wouldn't say completely he was still a good player that's a different conversation before he that, that took him out of superman status yep here we go this is from alex uh alex thurm on Twitter says Ben Simmons is dealing with a herniated disc in his back and although his return to action this season is uncertain he wants to be back on the floor as soon as he can all right this is also coincides with the report by the way that Zion is apparently not returning so I've been saying that on the podcast since probably December January no Zion this season cool we've been on that would like would like to see him back didn't happen apparently it's not gonna happen that's smart on the Pelicans part it doesn't look like it's gonna happen for Ben Simmons y'all I don't know if I had already put that out there and my uh my belief that simmons will not be playing for the nets i just don't see it though today is march 21st playoffs less than a month away you're telling me he's gonna go from now with a back injury not being able to do anything on a basketball court to joining his new team in the playoffs and making an impact i fam i can't see it i can't see it right now and i don't even know if you should especially if you get kyrie Irving back you might just stash ben simmons uh for however it's we'll see next season yeah next season you might need an operation on his back stash him uh, hell if you can't if he does need an operation get that done pre-playoffs get that done as soon as possible so he has as much time to recover and you come back next year because my belief is the nets can be scary even without him right now they've got uh some nice lineups then that's what i was saying earlier with the drummond pickup drummond and seth have both been pretty solid so it's not as if you just have nothing to show for you traded james harden you got nothing to show for for now if you were able to get Kyrie and you keep what you have you could be a pretty dangerous playoff team and just go from there because a lot of teams are just kind of going from there right now there's guys injured all over the place there's guys coming back right before the playoffs kind of in the same boat as a lot of squads uh 
not name the Boston Celtics because that's currently happening. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's that's the news we have with the Nets. It doesn't feel good. Kyrie Irving does have to get his clout for being the most rust resistant player ever, though. I was pretty sure. Well, not even pretty sure. I just figured with him being in and out of the lineup, I guess well rested is one way to put it. But I thought there would be some rust, though, just from not always being in the NBA action. Anyways, put 60 on the magic with 41 in the first half. <laughs> 41 points in the first half. I, I really just had to have a thought of what does the opposing coach say at halftime when you're down 20 plus and one player has 40, 41 and it's halftime. What do you what do you actually say in that locker room with a straight face? I don't know. Uh, what's even more interesting about that is as of late, the magic hadn't even been uh, a bad. You don't think about the magic. You don't think about defense. when You think about the magic, but it's just they hadn't really been bad on that end. And then Kyrie, that's one thing for what's happened with Kyrie Irving. But then to have Sadiq Bey come in and also put in 51 and turn into Sadiq Trey with 10 three pointers. Um, at this point, you're just going, man, who's next? <laughs> I understand the Kyrie one, but anyways. So, yeah, Kyrie's had a what, 40 something or 50, whatever he put on the Hornets last week, then 60 now. Oh boy, I'm just waiting for the leash to come all the way off, and it hasn't yet, and we're getting kind of close. So, that is absolutely a thing. That's pretty much what I have for the Nets, probably for this podcast until uh, we get to the end looking at some seating things. Jokic versus Embiid also happened. So, this was very fun. Because it was at a point where this is how fast things are changing in the MVP race. I, I would say the MVP race was different when this matchup happened versus where it is now because of some standings movement. However, this game happened. Jokic did his scoring. Sorry, Embiid did his scoring. Jokic did everything. I believe by the time the game was over, he led, as usual, the Nuggets in pretty much every stat, which is you know something that they were pushing for the agenda. However, the MVP actually turned out to be Bones Highland, who came out and hit every important three that the Nuggets needed, pretty much burying the Sixers in that game. Jokic comes out a victor, throws multiple passes on fast breaks that you just can't figure out. Looks one way, throws it the other. I don't know. If you watch Jokic at this point, you get it. That was an interesting matchup. Of course, Embiid got the best of Jokic a couple of times. Jokic got best of him a couple of times on offense. Nuggets walking away with that win felt like it would be kind of important, except what happens now is time has passed and the Nuggets have fallen into the play in. Is this kind of where I want to go to that? Go with that? Yeah, because I didn't, I honestly didn't have much with Jokic and Embiid. It was fun. Nuggets were kind of firmly in control, lost it a little bit, ended up winning. Things are just different though, because Cat, sorry, yeah, Cat and the Minnesota Timberwolves snuck them. They had been hanging around around like two games, a game and a half, and finally uh, the Wolves got hot enough. They're nine and one in the last ten. They got hot enough to kind of swap. So Denver is in the play-in. Jokic is in the play-in. It's a seven seed. That's on one spectrum, but on the other end, you look and go, okay, Nuggets still forty-two and thirty. If you want to just compare it to Joel Embiid, Sixers 43 and 27. Extremely close records. Extremely close records. Uh, Of course, at this point, that's 72 games. Uh, This is 70. So two game difference that Philadelphia hasn't played. We don't know how that's going to happen yet. They're a little bit behind, so it has to catch up. The records are still extremely close, even though they look way different in the standings. Jokic, that's their first matchup since... I couldn't believe that. That's the first time they've played each other since 2019. That's insane. Um, important matchup, but I am at this point just kind of wondering how much it gets weighed where they are in the standings. Play-in is something that didn't even exist a couple of years ago, so some people are going to go, oh, this A shouldn't even be a thing, and B, that's kind of like a buzzword now. Look at the records. But I just have a hard time believing in a race this close that there would be a play-in MVP, especially on the repeating. Because this race is, is that close and the players are that are at the very top of it are so qualified that it feels like the smallest things matter. The smallest differences matter. So one guy being a two seed and the other potentially not being in the playoffs just feels like it'll end up mattering because um, you have to split hair somewhere. 
the other here you could split on the opposite side of that is going oh well bam uh y'all and beads second best teammate or Giannis's fourth or third best teammate would be Jokic's best teammate <laughs> that's the one that's just another here that people are going to split it's going multiple different ways um but I didn't really think at least probably up to two weeks ago I didn't think Minnesota was going to leapfrog them they still might not this is not over yet Nuggets kidding what makes it hard is that the Timberwolves own the tiebreaker so Denver being there and having to not only lead by a half a game, like they can't end tied. So they have very, they just don't have a lot of wiggle room. They don't have a lot of losses left to spare. And they only, they both have exactly 10 games left. Uh, that gets very tricky. That gets very tricky. Minnesota also is liable to move up to fifth, which is kind of closer to where I saw them if they had been healthy most of this year. And they're just rolling, man. The Timberwolves are just rolling. What also did not help for Jokic last night was getting packed up by the Boston Celtics. At this point, their defense is, is packing everyone up. And I kind of tweeted it jokingly because I've been on the, the Joker MVP agenda most of the year. I'd said even if he doesn't win, I believe by definition, he's probably the most valuable player. But of course, I'm not going to die on die on that hill of, oh, he, he didn't win it. He got robbed. That's not the hill you're going to find me on. It's not where you're going to find my body. However... I did tweet out it's unfortunate that joker mvp agenda is running into robert williams and al horford tonight i forgot grant williams <laughs> that is one two a a clip now exists of grant uh, of joker posting up grant williams and trying to to turn to his hook shot and williams smacking that shit that exists that's a thing that's a thing out there now boston's defense has just been exceptional it's one of those rare cases of defense being fun to watch Joker shot 8 of 23 last night. I would say some of them, there was a couple of shots that I thought were just Joker shots he normally makes. Ones that he'll throw up close to the rim. He was getting short on a couple of those. Um, so I, I will say, yeah, there was a couple of those, but I would attribute I would attribute the rest of it to Celtics defense, though. And I was pleasantly surprised Mike Malone didn't call a timeout. Because at a certain point in that game... Defense was clamping on one end and they were hitting threes on the other. That run they went on, was it a 19-3 run that basically ended the game in the first half? Mike Malone just let them take that on the chin. He just had to watch that, which I'm not sure there was much they could do anyways at that point. That's bad timing, though. You know, I say everything in life is optics. That's just really, really bad timing. That's the that's literally the loss that put the Timberwolves over the edge and, and allowed them to overtake Denver. And that was one of uh, Jokic's worst games of the season. Which is funny. He still had twenty something points, but you know, eight of twenty-three. It's not a not a great night for him. That being the loss that puts you behind the line, oof, that's tough. Very tough. Meanwhile, Milwaukee and the Sixers, who house the other two uh, winnable candidates, two and three in, in their seating, not going to fall into the play-in. So I'm just very fascinated by how voters are going to weigh that weigh the records versus where they actually are versus teammates I, I i don't know let me know in the comments do you think uh a, a play-in team can have the mvp because even before the play-in existed i it was very rare that a guy could win mvp being seven c that's this is nothing new that's what received was westbrook when he won it on the thunder that those were extenuating circumstances that's back when triple double still impressed the world and then the record everything he was doing with that team that shouldn't have even been in the playoffs that i think those were extenuating circumstances that led to that it's it's very rare so that and the the optics of playing i don't know man i don't know but that is a thing that has happened um and i can kind of I, I did boston celtics talk last week so uh i don't need to you know, not a whole lot has happened since then i mean they're rolling they have taken fourth seed from the chicago bulls they are solidly in front of the chicago bulls pretty much coming down the stretch here they keep losing chicago keeps losing to good teams they're two games behind the celtics at this moment what happens though i am again you, you You've heard me try to be skeptical with this squad, not an attempt to not be biased, but literally just the things that worry me. And so while I like Derek White and what he has added defensively to the squad, boy could not 
shoot the ball into the ocean right now. He is shooting 22% from the three-point line since he became a Boston Celtic. That is on four attempts per game. Average is nine and a half points. D again, if you just stat watch, you will say, oh, Derek White's been terrible for the Celtics. No, Derek White has been a terrible shooter for the Celtics. Defensively, I think he's in and being as a backup point guard. Defensively, he's been great. Problem is, you know, before he came to Boston, he was shooting 31% from the three-point line, I would say. So that was as San Antonio Spur. That's not a great mark, but it's also not 22. At 22, you're a self-cover. And the more self-covers that people can find around Tatum and Brown, the more that that is what's going to be on the scouting report. Leave Derek White open. Leave even as good as Marcus Smart for him has been shooting during this stretch. I don't you're not going to want to leave Marcus Smart open because he's been able to hit open shots. But if you need to stop the other two, that's kind of where you'll look. So that's just kind of that has me kind of worried. The offense gets stagnant. If Jason Tatum is seeing two bodies, if the, if they run into a really good defense that's able to do that and rotate appropriately, scoring can get difficult. Hell, scoring got difficult in the Mavericks game. That's how they ended up losing. I'm not sure if I covered any of the Mavericks game on last week's podcast, but we did watch party that one. Yeah, that was right before I did the podcast. Yeah, scoring just got hard to come by. Mavericks are a really good defense. Scoring got tough. Uh, they locked in. All of a sudden, they lost the lead. The rest was kind of history. Now you're in a close game. So I worry about that. And I'm hoping once the postseason starts, hey, new season, they are leaving Derek wide open. He starts hitting. That's because that becomes a very that, be, that becomes a bad thing very quickly. I don't want it to be where, damn, we can't even use him in a lineup with Tatum and Brown or we have to limit how much he's out there because he's shrinking the floor. His defense is valuable. His defense is, is a valuable thing. And even uh, some of the ways they might be able to create for him to, to get to the rim at times, that's less valuable, but the defense is needed. And yeah, if 21% nullifies that, that's one of the things I'm worried about. But yeah, don't have to really go on a whole tangent about Boston and how Robert Williams is the second coming of Bill Russell. They also brought that defense to Golden State in the first half, ended that game pretty quickly, and also have ended Steph Curry's regular season, apparently. This one got controversial. Also did a watch party for this one uh, halfway. Yeah, only half, only through the half, because once it was apparent to me Steph wasn't coming back, I, you know, then the game was over anyway, so we went ahead and checked out. So what happens here? Steph Curry, uh, there's a loose ball. Marcus Smart dives for it. Steph's foot gets caught under Smart's body. We immediately think ankle. It actually turns out being a foot sprain. There is no Dr. Dom. I actually don't know which one is worse. However, I, I know neither one of those are ideal on halfway through March. As March starts to wind down and the playoffs start about mid-April. It's not good. I haven't heard anything good about it. The comments that came out said, oh, well, we're optimistic he'll be back for the start of the playoffs. All right, just unpack that a little bit. If you're optimistic he's going to be back for the start of the playoffs, A, you don't actually know that. So games one and two of the first round sound liable to be missed. And even if he does come back, now you're wondering about things such as lingering pain. You're wondering about his cutting abilities, shiftiness, those type of Factors that ended up ruining his uh, unanimous MVP run. I'll just go ahead and say it. I don't give a fuck. It's been six years. If you watch Steph, you can be unbiased and say you watched Steph during the season. You cannot say that that was the same Steph after he hurt his knee. It simply was not the same one. He didn't move the same. He didn't finish the same. Didn't get to the rim the same. It's not the same Steph Curry that was that was out there uh, all season. Um, now he's older. He's older. That's another lower body injury. This one's on the foot, which is, uh, again, no Dr. Dom, but foot and knees. Those are the two things you, you don't you just don't need uh, operating at less than 90 percent in, in basketball. Uh, this is getting significantly more difficult for the Golden State Warriors. One thing that's on their side is on one hand, the, the scary part that, that popped out to me was Draymond just came back. This big three hasn't played basketball together consistently in forever now. COVID wasn't a thing last time these big three played real basketball together. However, they are Draymond, Steph, and Clay. They know each other's games. They've been working off of each other for nearly a decade now. So not as worried about fit for a team like them as I am, say, oh, the Chicago Bulls needing Alonzo back 
or the Nets needing to incorporate Ben Simmons. Obviously not worried about it on that level. Uh, at this point, it's still just as going and saying to get out of the West, you've got to deal with a crazy, crazy Suns team. That's won 80% of their games. And then a ridiculously hungry Grizzlies team that is looking for any sign of weakness right now. Other problem is if Steph does miss the first two games of a series, who that gets super complicated. Golden State without Steph, who's creating now? They're still trying to get Gary Payton back also. This team has literally lost one person or got one person back the whole year and then lost two more. Damn near is what it feels like. Where they are in the standings at the moment, they are only two games above the Jazz and I believe they play them at least one more time before the season is over. Golden State is also liable to drop to fourth. It doesn't so much change who they might play though because there's so much potential movement in the standings at this moment. Being three, you play the Minnesota Timberwolves. You could also be two and end up playing the Timberwolves. Hell, you could be four and end up playing the Timberwolves because there, there's still so much potential movement left. Um, any team that they can get at three, basically what I'm saying, is what they could get uh, at four. It's kind of it's kind of similar. They, what, Luka, Jokic, and Kat, it's kind of due to be one of those at the moment. Um, it's hard to imagine them in his last 10 games moving up to second and taking that from the Grizzlies, so... It just, it's, it's just, just unfortunate. It's unfortunate. What do I think about the actual Marcus Smart play? One, everything in life is optics. He also kicked Clay Thompson that game. <laughs> Man jumped for a contest, I believe, and ended up kicking Clay. St Seth, sorry, Steve Kerr. I wanted to say Steve Curry. Steve Kerr was mad at Smart, and he let him know it, and he talked to him, and things were said. Uh, Draymond Green about the kick play said, I've accidentally kicked people before, so the the most famous kicker in the league cleared smart of that allegation. I, I think most people who've even played basketball recreationally would say you don't control everything about your body when you're trying to contest something or you're going for a loose ball. Those, that, that's a conversation. The diving, the way I tried to look at it is, what do you think about when you think about Marcus Smart? You immediately... What immediately comes to mind besides flopping? That's one thing. We can admit that. That happens. So, extreme hustle, right? What play, did, what play did we just talk about a week or two ago on this podcast where he laid out and almost died trying to save a ball? He touched past it back in bounds and went back first into a crowd, into the crowd. Those are Marcus Smart plays. That is what he does. That's the energy that he brings to this team. It's one of the reasons I never wanted to trade him. It, it, that's just it's part of the literally part of the identity which for the team we'll talk about later that's an important thing so if there's a loose ball and marcus smart is in the vicinity what do you think happens next he dives for it right i guess the part people are mad at is saying be cognizant of other players because if you dive now you're you're by feet and knees and so things could happen then there's also the part that a lot of these players were taught be the first to the floor if there's a loose ball be the first down there so that's kind of how marcus smart plays that's kind of what he does i think it's a bit of a stretch to say he hurt steph curry on purpose i i think there's a couple of players in the league you would probably look at and say oh they do things on purpose to actually hurt players i, I think there's few of those guys I and mean, i don't think smart is one of them whether he was on my team or not i don't i don't think smart is, is is one of them i just don't so it is super unfortunate because that has altered golden state basketball they're gonna have to they lost to the spurs last night there's a hilarious ending to that game that made little to no sense but they lost to the spurs that's not a good start they got 10 games uh the the caravan that carries the the people that are carrying the posters that say Draymond Green is most important warrior. This is their time to shine. <laughs> I mean, this is their time to, this is it. This is, this is it. Uh, they could fall a couple of seeds. They could lose a lot of games. They can come into the playoffs real banged up. This is, this is Draymond people time. I'm not even taking away anything from Draymond. I'm just saying without the, without Steph, what happens to you in a series where Steph has missed two games? This is not the 2016 Warriors. They're not. Where they beat the brakes off the Rockets without Curry. That's it's not the same one. Um, it's not the same players. It's not the same. It's, I don't think a team is as good. 
the, I'll take the I don't think off. They're not as good. It's not the same. Hell, Clay is recovering. I don't have that same firepower to it. So, hell, you, you get any one of these squads and you have to invent offense that first couple of games without Steph, you find yourself in a real tough position real fast. But that's something that we just have to wait and see what happens. No crystal ball. Maybe he'll be back shortly before the playoffs, hopefully. Um, I, I would like for him to get at least a game or two in before that. But they got some hanging on to do. Golden State has got some hanging on to do. And yeah, regardless if it involved my team or not, it's unfortunate. I wanted to see healthy basketball from everybody. It does not appear we are going to get that. One of the teams that Warriors could play, we talked about Minnesota, now six seed. They had an interesting week. They've had an interesting week since we last spoke about them. Me and Vini, I made it a point to ask uh, a second voice because I mentioned them a couple of times in the pod, but I wanted to bring a second voice in and talking about them. Talked a little bit about what the future could hold for Anthony Edwards and what's going on with Cat. Well, what's going on with Cat is after we got off that pod, he scored 60. Tim's pretty adamant on proving this I'm the best big man shooter to ever exist mantra. He won a three point contest that was very important to him. Went to the Spurs game, and there you just see the potential problems. First of all, Cat gives every, he'll give most, what, 95, 99% of big men in the league problems. With this offensive bag, there's not a lot of people that can stop him. But especially if you're a team that lacks in bigs, that's an interesting, you have an interesting series coming up against them. The Spurs were throwing uh, Yaka Pirtle at him, and then Zach Collins, who I just don't think he signed up for this at all in his return. I know it'd been a while for him before his return this season since he played basketball. I don't think he signed up to, to guard to guard Cat at his peak. Cat was stepping back; he was sidestepping on the three-point lines, dribble moves, uh, stepping back at the top, letting threes fly, uh, finding open lanes to the rim. Zach at the end of that game trying to guard him just it it just wasn't very fun. So nice of this truck outside to be as loud as possible. I swear. Anyways, um, I might probably filter that out. So Cat ends up with with a sixty ball. It's a lot, by the way, off the top of my head. Who's who's put up numbers? Uh, so Cat had sixty. Kyrie had sixty. We talked about Sadiq Bay having fifty. Kyrie, uh, sorry, KD had a fifty ball. Uh, LeBron James had two 50s, right? And then um, Kyrie also had a 40 or 50 ball with the Hornets. Oh, and then Jeremy Grant had 40. So there's that. It's, oh, oh, oh. Also, Josh Hart had 40. All right. So I'm up to like nine 40 point games. Cool. So that's what's happening in the NBA right now. Um, so Cat does that. And that was shortly after the Spurs uh, and Greg Popovich became the winningest coach of all time, so that's awesome. Now, Timberwolves also danced on a grave this week, which is potentially fun because Minnesota is not out of the woods yet. They could still fall into the play-in, and if something unfortunate happened in a play-in game, there's a path to them playing the Lakers in a play-in game, and then Minnesota not making the playoffs. I don't think that would happen. I personally think Minnesota would wax the Lakers. They, they are really coming into their own. So it also it just depends. These are one game scenarios, so it does depend. Um, but they danced on a grave, man. They <laughs> Oh, so we were talking about identity with Marcus Smart, right? Uh, how many times on this podcast have I said I would take Patrick Beverly on my team? I've said it enough, so you get the point. One of the reasons is because whether it, it works or not, he brings certain elements that aren't always on the basketball court that I think are helpful. For instance, this Timberwolves team has not had any kind of real identity for the last, hell, forever. When's the last time the Timberwolves had an identity? Maybe when Jimmy Butler was there, I guess? I, I, I guess that would probably be it. I don't think of, and I think of Cat, I don't think of him as a talker. I don't think of him as the guy, even just the way he sounds. He doesn't seem like the, he doesn't seem like the kind that's gonna go call LeBron a bitch-ass nigga. I, don't, I just hadn't seen that. <laughs> <sighs> That is a thing that happened. They were, um, you know, bodies were banging down low. I think Braun got a foul called on him. Cat walks away and he drops that bomb. Wow. Things are heating up quick. In that same game, Patrick Beverly flexes on LeBron. Like, I'm talking about like a good flex. Rolls his shoulders, 
taps a brawn on the bottom. At some point on that game, I'm not clear, called Westbrook Trash. He did the PU emote. So there's just a, a just, just a lot going on for this Lakers team that wins one impressive game and then goes and loses the very next night. Uh, it's There's a lot going on and they hit rock bottom a couple of times a week by now. Minnesota though, we remember talking about Memphis and their identity. They're the trash talkers and people aren't really, I don't think people have really caught on yet. And so it doesn't bother people as much. However, as it, as they become, let's see, get more national games, as people become more familiar with them, I think they're going to run out of grace and become, uh, uh, I don't know if I'd say hated team, but a disliked team versus having this, this, uh, what do you call it? I don't know. People just love the young greedy team right now. That's what I see with Memphis. The Timberwolves, it involves Pat. It's a little bit different. Grizzlies, they, they get away with this for a while. It's jaw. We're used to him flexing and doing these things. And that's just, they, they're a young group that's building that. Patrick Beverly has a history. <laughs> he has a history. People will debate whether he hurt Russell Westbrook that time. He's talked plenty. He's talked on teams that lost horrendously. And so now he's brought this to the Timberwolves to a team that doesn't really talk much. You have Ant there, which is relatively new. He, he has his bits that he drops, but people love Ant. Um, but Cat, this is a non-talker becoming like a talker. So I'm just interested to see how that it, how this identity is received because Russ just said, "Oh, after the game, he was like, none of them have done anything in this league yet." So next question, <laughs> he said, no, "They haven't won anything. They haven't done anything. So what are we talking about here? Like, uh, I don't, we don't rate them type type deal is basically where Russ took it." Pat on Twitter after that is saying, hey, I've been to the conference finals a couple of times. I thought this was a team game. So it just goes down an entire rabbit hole. Um, but you can see Pat, you, you can see Beverly's stamp on this team is what I'm saying, though. I still think he, I think the Russ running around quote kind of damaged the perception of what he does, especially where sound bites kind of rule how, how people think about players. I think that they kind of damaged it a little bit and how people watch him and how people think about him. Cause as somebody who has watched him, yeah, sure. He'll get got sometimes, but he's active. He goes out there and he does his job. He goes out there and he can change a play. It's not just him running around. And now the Timberwolves are a good team and they, they have some sense of self going into the playoffs and they can reach fifth seed, which is, uh, I probably said earlier, it's kind of where very early in the, very early in the season is kind of where I thought they could get, if they could just keep guys on the floor. So that was a whole thing that happened. There was a Lakers space after the game where they asked if the Wolves take it too far. And even there was a quote tweet on, on mine when I was just kind of laughing at it. Or I, I don't remember what I said. And somebody was like, oh, this is just what happens. Everybody blows things out of proportion with the Lakers. And they just, Lakers, this, uh, look. Before the season, there was Instagram posts. There was tweets. By players on that team, there was expectations, and they're Los Angeles, and they have possibly the greatest player of all time there. They are eleven games under five hundred. They're a ten seed. They're gonna they're gonna get some work, fam. It's gonna happen. Teams are like the Timberwolves. They have rivals out there. Teams are gonna dance. Teams are gonna be disrespectful. Teams are gonna talk. People are gonna see that on the internet, and they're also gonna talk. That's just kind of how it goes. I don't even know what we're doing acting like that's a surprise or acting like it's something out of the ordinary. That's just what happens. Um, but yeah, whatever. Anyway, I did. I did just kind of have to. I did just kind of have to talk about the the wolves really. Hopefully, for their sake, burying them, because if this goes the other way, uh, the Minnesota just has to relocate. This goes the other way and the Lakers are in the playoffs and the Wolves aren't by the end of it and involved those two playing the, the Minnesota would literally have to relocate. And I don't see that happening again. This is a good team, man. The, where I was kind of going earlier when I talked about Cat playing San Antonio big men was all right. The playoff matchup right now is Golden State Warriors. That is Kavon Looney's job, basically. Looney can hold his own sometimes and he, he gives effort, but you're going to be asking a guy who probably doesn't like to move laterally that much to really cover the three-point line and be out there. I'm wondering if the Warriors bring out a bit of a zone. It's probably more Draymond's. Actually, I forgot Draymond Green is back. They would probably task him with some of those duties, but that's the thing, though. It's just spread really thin. It's like, all right, Draymond's your best shot, and then after that, what does Looney got? 
Wiseman did play in the G League. He played three games there. He looked pretty good. He looked confident. I just wanted to see what he looked like on a basketball court after a year off. I'm wondering if they are going to bring him back for the playoffs and ask him to play an actual role. I don't know yet. I won't even really speculate on that. And also, if they did, I'm not 100% sure if he would solve some of these issues fresh off of uh, yeah, fresh into the playoffs. That would basically be his his starting pad would be an important playoff series. So I'm interested to see if that happens. Uh, Cat versus Gobert would be fun. If it turned out, hell, at this point, uh, there's really not. I don't think not. There's no way for them to play Dallas at this point. Um, so yeah, it, there's a there's just a couple of matchups where it's like, all right, Cat is going to be a handful. He's going to get his, I think, regardless. The one playoff sample we have from him isn't good, but that was also, gosh, four years ago. It's been a long time since then. Uh, this one looks a little bit more serious. Gets the right matchup, might be a might be a bad day for somebody. But there's so much movement. There's just an incredible amount of movement in the standing. So there's no way to uh no way to really predict it yet. Talked about James Wiseman a little bit. There's not really a whole lot to say there. Ah, I did invoke Gobert's name. And the Bucks played the Jazz. I don't think anybody cared to stay up on the East Coast and watch that. However, I, I watched a little bit. As a matter of fact, I watched most of it because at this point in the season, I'm just interested to see contenders swinging at each other or teams with contending aspirations, I guess, which is kind of where I would put the Jazz. They're just good teams anyways. There's certain teams that you could tell have kind of mailed it in. Uh, there's squads that have players who aren't aware of the score of the game, so they're doing take fouls and tie situations. And it's like, all right, they got some nice young players. However, this is probably not the measuring stick for a contender. So good teams playing good teams. Kind of want to see things. I like what Giannis has done this year. I like the way he's improved, but I'm always curious of, all right, well, now he's got to go against a defensive player of the year candidate. How does this go? And so I watched him go into the chest of Gobert multiple times. That was fun. Get him on a fast break. Um, just bumping right into him. And one did see a couple of Rudy stops, but uh, the Bucks end up winning that one. Giannis ends up winning that matchup. And there's one play in there where defensively, I'm like, I think this is what people are kind of missing this year. We talked about it with Vini last week with the MVP race and looking at him being now on the team out of those three MVP candidates. He has the uh, he, he's the highest seed, which does kind of make things interesting when you go down to the West and you see the Grizzlies have already won nearly 50 games. But John Moran is still outside of the top three. I'm wondering um I can't wait to see the new ladder because I'm wondering how they're going to weigh that. And if Jokic just isn't a play in, will Jaw will, will Jaw end up? Anyways, whatever. Right now, this is what we have. And there's a defensive play in that Jazz game. It looked just like the Christmas game. It's basically, Giannis caught in the middle. And I don't have, I don't think there's any stat that keeps track of it, but I'm just going to assume Giannis has the most caught in the middle stops in the NBA. He has to. Those plays where uh, a guy is driving to you and you're the only you're standing between him and the rim and then there's another player behind you. We saw that with the Celtics game with Jason Tatum on Christmas Day uh, was going up and then threw it to Robert Williams. Giannis made him throw it up and then he also stopped Robert Williams. He blocked him. Did something real similar in the Jazz game. Royce O'Neal's headed downhill. Giannis looks like he's going to go jump with him. Royce gets scared. Well, not even get scared. Just makes the right basketball play. <laughs> Royce O'Neal going up on Giannis probably ends only one way. Drops the ball off to Gobert, except Giannis is already there. His hands are already on the ball. He has tapped it away. It is now a turnover. Do want to say before I continue, Brooke Lopez is back. So that's really good. Without Brooke Lopez, this is kind of the thing that Giannis has had to do off ball. On ball is one thing. Off ball, as a weak side defender, he's had a lot of responsibility on the squad because that's not what you're counting on Bobby Porter's for. So that's the thing that has kind of, aside from the offensive numbers that people are just bored of, it's what he does defensively as well that has me going, just don't be mad if, if Jokic falls out of the race and let's say, I don't know, Philly falls to fourth. Now Giannis is kind of the last man standing and he wins the MVP, although most people have only been talking about Jokic and Embiid in that light the entire season. Everybody except one guy we will actually be talking about him uh, toward the end, maybe at the end of this conversation. But yeah, the, the, those um those stops are absolutely ridiculous and they happen really fast and they aren't really unless it's a block. They're not anything that's super, uh, I guess, impressive to the eye. 
So, you know, I think a lot of people end up missing it. And those in-between plays are hard for people to guard. That's how the Celtics are picking people apart right now. If you notice how many lobs Robert Williams catches off of those those in-between mashup plays, it's lobs coming from Marcus Smart or coming from Al Horford. Uh, they've done whatever they've done and they've created that advantage. And now it's a you just throw it up really high to Robert Williams, which makes it even more impressive. Giannis was able to, to get that block because it's one thing that Tom Lord does is he does jump. So the Bucks end up with that dub. They are three games out of first and they probably won't catch the Miami Heat at this point in the season. I doubt it. That's a that's a lot of switcheroo that would have to happen in what twelve games. So probably probably not likely. But I did just want to mention that. Which would did I have one more game I wanted to talk? Yeah, I guess I guess that would be just to kind of wrap up the MVP stuff a little bit because that's kind of infused itself in the conversation here. Kevin Durant's MVP list. Now look, he was asked this after a game. So after a game, you, you just had, you just played and somebody asked you a question. I get that the thoughts might not always be so flushed out, but it does kind of seem like a pattern of certain people being left out of praise. And when he's asked about his MVP list, he, he said for him, Damar and Jaw are probably leading it. And he goes, um, and it's just so many great talent. Joel Embiid uh, is as well. You could give it to him. You could throw Jokic in there, is what he said. You could throw him in there. And then he did not mention Giannis. Now, again, I am willing to believe and forgetting some guys, because people have asked me questions on stream before, and off the top of my head, especially for award races, off the top of my head, it's it gets kind of hard to name it in real time. So I get it. You don't have a list in front of you. But playing in the league, and as much as KD or basketball as KD consumes, I find it just odd that the actual guys leading the MVP race were basically footnotes. And in what world is DeMar DeRozan leading in MVP race right now? And I won't say in what world is Jaw leading it, but the top three candidates are so, their performances overall are so impressive. I.e., yes, the Grizzlies have a better record, but Jaw Morant is not, in my opinion, having a better season than Giannis. There's two sides to the basketball. And on one side, he's probably still not having a better season than him. But specifically, the, the gap between a Giannis and a jaw on defense is astronomical. And so even if you're looking at the improvements Jaw has made this year and, oh, they're not supposed to be here. The MVP case for him over Giannis to me is just not very strong at all in terms of what they're doing with their performances. And I don't think the records are are far enough apart that it's not like it's not like the Bucks are seven seed, you know? So I don't think it's far enough apart. I think there's some arguments you can make there. But I guess my problem with it is, and I don't really care. Basketball discourse is basketball discourse, whatever, uh, on the internet, on Twitter and whatnot. It, it is what it is. But there are people who just started watching seriously this season. There are people who have been watching NFL or whatever, and they've had one foot in the NBA pool and one foot in some other sport. And so they've just kind of been testing the waters. But there are people who will come in close to the playoffs and really believe these things when they hear them. And they'll absolutely believe, oh, damn, yeah, look what look what Jaw has done. He's absolutely number one. No, he is not. He's not been number one at any point in this season. And I'm willing uh, this is coming from someone who has the jaw MVP agenda ready to go. I had been saying all year, whenever we talk about jaw on the, the Twitch show for the NBA, yeah, he's got got an MVP coming in his career. Probably next season will be a big thing because I'll, I'll get more national attention. All eyes will be on Memphis, especially if they get to the conference finals this year. Jaw have a beautiful chance next year. He could start off. Yeah, I think he has that launching pad that you need. Um, there are people who come in right now and be like, oh, okay, yeah, John Damar. I've seen Damar hit some really tough shots, and he's done this for the Bulls. Yeah, he's leading. And who haven't been paying attention to things. Oh, yeah, hell, that might be how Luka could, could really... If you just started paying attention a month or two ago, really paying attention, you would go Luka. Because Luka's been... He's in, he's in his Jordan. He's in his Jordan stretch now, again, he, that he does every year. I saw somebody make the calendar meme about Luka coming into a season slumping and then for majority of the season it's oh god is this is this Michael Jordan and then he needs help by the playoffs so we're in the Jordan portion of his calendar however you go into the beginning of the season he had missed a lot of games and he wasn't shooting well like, that counts all of that counts that the MVP is a collective thing of an entire season it's not what have you done for me lately and so people will jump in now and hear something like oh Luka's MVP especially if they get four seed and he's not <laughs> like he's he's just not so 
I don't know. I found the, the Kevin Durant thing interesting slash funny. Uh, DeMar DeRozan on this Bulls team who, to his credit, he's kept them afloat. And that stretch where he was hitting game winners and he was just impossible to guard, which still kind of is, but it's cooled down a little bit. That was his MVP stretch. And if it, that was still going and the Bulls had beaten at least some good teams, yeah, maybe. With the candidates you have right now, that's not DeMar DeRozan is not your MVP. As a matter of fact, before I completely close this out, I've been talking mostly about the West. I forgot to point to your attention. That is something that's happening in the East. Got to read you a tweet on my page that said, that said, if the Cavs beat the Lakers and the Bulls lose to the Raptors today, because this was made yesterday, the Bulls will drop to the sixth, the Cavs fifth. Uh, yeah, so basically the Bulls and Cavs are kind of on the hot seat for which one of them the Toronto Raptors might end up overtaking, especially the way the scheduling is working out with what teams are playing each other. We could end up with Toronto sixth or fifth or whatever, which pushes Cleveland or the uh, the Bulls into play-in. Either one of those would be unfortunate. They both did better than expected this season, especially with the health concerns that they've had. And then you talk about uh, a scenario where one of those teams is going to have to play. One of those teams might going to have to see Kevin Durant in a play in in a one game play in scenario and then play their way in possibly against a Trey Young. I don't want to just leave the Hornets out of that. It's just one seem in a, in a one game scenario. There's certain players that seem scarier to go against. I think Trey Young and Kevin Durant scare me the most. So if you're the Bulls or the Cavs. It's been all this, oh, are we contenders? Well, mostly for the Bulls, are we contenders? I, I don't, I have a hard time believing Cavaliers fans thought they were going all the way this year. Pre-injury, even then, still no. The Bulls, there was definitely a, a thought of, hey, can they really do this? I think that's tapered off a lot since they are not even being competitive in certain games with guys like the Chris Paul, the Suns, who are still a good team. But damn, can y'all be in that game, though? Can that, can that happen? I, anyways, um... Yeah, the season ending with one of those squads not making the playoffs would be wild. We absolutely wild. So I just did want to bring that to your attention that it's a it's a factor. It's starting to become a, a scenario that's in play. I did kind of skip over a little bit of Brook Lopez return. That is big. The Bucks can go back to having him uh, as in drop as their base. I wonder how that affects Giannis defensively. Just having another big body out there. And that potential Miami series, what do they, how does Bam Adebayo adjust? Because he had problems with Brook Lopez last year. And Brook has looked okay so far. So that is just something worth worth mentioning. Because last week I was talking about how we hadn't even heard anything. And then he just popped back up. So he absolutely is here. You know another big man that's here? Chris Stops Porzingis. Now, this is the portion where I am going to pull up footage. Because... I try to give coaches a fair shake in the NBA. The assumption that I go in with is I hate that Twitter auto plays audio when you have it on mute. Cause what if that was porn? Anyways, Chris Upsquizing is seven foot three, right? My thought going into just watching NBA basketball or evaluating players is there's nothing that a fan has thought of or seen on a court that a coach hasn't already game planned for, right? There's a coach and there's a coaching staff and they've coached hundreds of games and they've seen schemes and they know X's and O's. So at a base level, there's things where they'll look and they have to have a reason for doing something or not doing something. That's just what I think. Maybe I'm giving, maybe I give coaches too much credit, but that's how I think. That's why you don't see me just go in and and call or often call a coach trash or I'll laugh at a joke, though. If you look at my Twitter page, somebody had a joke about Doc Rivers since they blew another lead last night to the Raptors. <laughs> and James Harden. I'll get, to, I'll get to that. I'll get to that. Anyways. Uh, <laughs> um, yeah, so. This Lakers-Wizards game. I thought the Lakers could probably pull out this W, and they were up. And I see that they're playing LeCenter. I mentioned last week that's something you kind of wish you could just do optionally and you didn't need it. They're playing the center, though. So you have Dwight Howard on the bench. I will give you some grace on Winyan Gabriel. He was on the injury report for that game with an ankle sprain. So not giving him so many minutes, I, I guess I give you grace for that. But this first bucket, right? 
since uh so this the Lakers are just kind of already DJ Augustine has been beat off of a pick here I'm gonna assume so Ishmith is in the paint uh, you, you're not really looking for weak side help or strong side help, whatever. From Carmelo Anthony, that, that's not happening. So Porzingis gets an easy layup. Okay, that's one thing. Now Porzingis is at the free throw line with Russell Westbrook guarding him. It's in single coverage. Porzingis turns, and now I freeze framed where Russell Westbrook is looking at Porzingis' armpit. There's no help coming. Uh, floors decently spread. Porzingis shot over him like he was a child. It's two more points. Russell Westbrook is now trying to front Porzingis. And LeBron James is, is coming over to help from under the basket. Porzingis is 7-3, so a Russ front is doing nothing. They just throw that over him. LeBron has came to help. Lakers defense is now in rotation. That never means anything good. That is a layup for Kispert. Porzingis is now posted up on LeBron James. LeBron, the center, guards 1-5. Porzingis shoots over him like it's nothing. That's another bucket. Porzingis is now being guarded by Avery Bradley. Looks like a switch here where we're cut in at. Avery Bradley is now in the post with Porzingis. Stanley Johnson has been beaten by Ish Smith. That means Avery Bradley is caught in the middle. Porzingis now got an N1 because Stanley Johnson came over to help late. It's another bucket. This one is just a fast brick. Or yeah, this one is definitely a fast brick. Kristaps Porzingis booms on LeBron. That didn't get the attention I thought it was going to get. Whatever. 7-3 guy dunking on you know, somebody much smaller. Alright, Porzingis is now at the free throw line again. I sold on Austin Reeves this time instead of Russell Westbrook. Austin Reeves is not looking at Porzingis' armpit. Porzingis just wants to get his shooting form right. There we go. Bucket. Shoots over him. Porzingis now has Westbrook at the free throw line. Russ says, uh-uh, not, not this time. Not two armpits in a game ain't happening. Comes over, tries to steal the ball from Porzingis. He misses. Now Russ is out of the play. Lakers defense tries to close in. Porzingis dunks it because he's seven foot three. Last play. Porzingis has Russell Westbrook at the free throw line. But LeBron is the help at the nail. So there will be no blow by this time. Maybe there's help coming. Porzingis sees that there might be help. As a matter of fact... Yeah, he sees that there might be helped. He dribbles to the left, gives Russell Westbrook a Dirk Nowitzki fadeaway. That's Porzingis' most of his offensive night against the Lakers. So, in every play, you heard names like Westbrook, your Austin Reeves, he had LeBron on him a couple of plays. None of the small ball was working. I'm going to guess Vogel said our best chance to win this game is small ball. Because the score was still close, Washington was up three. I will guess he was happy with the offensive production of that lineup and said, you know what, whatever, we'll let Porzingis beat us, we'll let Porzingis get his, but we're going to try to outscore them with the small ball. And that did not work. And Porzingis looked like the best big man in the league. So that's the only explanation I could come up with of why you wouldn't put a bigger body out there. Because remember, Porzingis is not a guy that often remembers he's 7-3. And I do want to give him his, his clout. He's doing good as a Washington Wizard. He's doing pretty, pretty good. This team season is already over, so he's kind of just getting to whip himself into shape. In basketball shape, uh, he's looking pretty good and getting to get his shots up with nothing really on the line. So curious what happens with the roster over the summer. But in this game, you know, you put put small guys out there and all of a sudden he doesn't see anybody. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm seven feet tall. I can I can do things here. I can do things out of the post. I, I can do things on smaller guys. I don't have to take a pull up three or I don't have to take a I don't have to take a three here. So. That was the funniest basketball that I'm sure we'll see this week. And I was just curious about it. That's all. I was just curious about Vogel's decision there. Maybe I'll send some text out to some um, you know, better NBA minds than me and just say, like, hey, why would why would you not adjust there? I don't know. It's not important. Both of their seasons are more or less over unless the Lakers pull just just magic out of a flask at this point. I did actually want to touch because we talked a little bit about the Sixers. I did mean to touch on James Harden there because uh, it's over the last seven games. The shooting is worrisome, I would say. Over the last seven games, he's averaging 20 points, still 10 assists. So cool. He's getting to the free throw line. Also cool. I wonder what that looks like in the playoffs, but it's happening, especially with Embiid on the floor. He and Embiid make that really hard not to happen. However, he is shooting 27% from the three-point line, shooting 35% from the field. 
in that seven game stretch that's the one where they lost to brooklyn they lost to denver they lost to toronto last night but you beat dallas you beat cleveland who wasn't healthy but you beat him nonetheless uh you beat orlando you beat chicago every good every decent to good team is beating chicago right now but you did it five of 15 in that matchup uh, five and 19 against orlando i'm just putting this out there now because again scheme wise yes harden and mb do work and Harden makes life easier for Maxi. But as we get closer to the playoffs, I, I am keeping eyes on notes like this. Because this is, shooting-wise, this is still Harden in Brooklyn. Um, and the tougher the playoff series gets, i.e. a series against an extremely defensively-minded team like Miami or Boston, and the fact that we do have this track record of Harden looking funny in the lights when the lights are the brightest. I just kind of wonder. That's all I wanted to say. That's literally all I wanted to say. Just it's it's a stretch. Uh, Philly still has a lot of games to go. We're going to get more sample out of it than this. This last one, ever since he missed that game against Miami, um, it's not encouraging because i just don't think you know you, you get 15 free throws against orlando you get 12 against denver you get 12 against cleveland uh 10 and 10 against dallas and toronto i once you get to the playoffs i'm not sure if they're going to be able to free throw if he specifically is going to be able to free throw his way to some to playoff series wins if he doesn't have uh the shot going how it normally goes so i did just want to put that out there that hard in philly is cool but lately it's it's interesting it is interesting well it's interesting here is i've done another hour and i hope that it actually recorded me this time and i think i have gotten through everything i want to get through pretty sure that i have i'm like jimmy butler in the bubble right now because that was basically two plus hours i did a talking by myself and i was pretty deflated when i didn't hear any audio play back to me so if you can rate the show be much appreciated and hit the like button on youtube or just keep listening because it's pretty consistent who listens to this podcast it seems so much appreciated much appreciation to y'all throughout this season we are almost there to the playoffs this season has been so much fun to watch i saw btals put a tweet out about oh do you and i'm not sure what because it was pretty odd i think it was a pretty obvious question but like, do you enjoy the KD era more or this? Because people say they like parody, but then complain. And this is great. This season is, is awesome. There's no super team in a league, in my opinion. There's no there's no successful one anyways. The NBA Finals matchups could go one of many different ways. Since I made the six teams that could win the championship video, that is complete. <laughs> it might still be six, but that list is different now. That list is quite different than it was because of things like injuries. Uh and and trades so might need to remake that i don't know either way i appreciate you all listening do your thing and i will be back next week potentially with some really special nba minds take care